Welcome back to another edition of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. Today, we are joined by Peyton Flowers from the Cooperative Extension, and we are talking about Christmas trees. Yes, folks, it's that time of year and the holidays are right around the corner. So find out how important Christmas trees are to the North Carolina economy and how you can get involved and support the local farmers. Did you know Savvy Citizen now has a live music series? Check out the monthly episodes of Savvy Sounds, where we bring you original music and interviews with musicians from in and around Gaston County. View it on demand on the Gaston County Government YouTube page. Just search for the Savvy Sounds playlist. Welcome back to another episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. I am Dandrea Bradley, and with me today, I have my wonderful co-host, Gavin Stewart, and Peyton Flowers from the Gaston County Cooperative Extension is with us. And y'all, can you believe it? We are just right around the corner from the holidays, and so we're going to be talking Christmas trees today. So Uh, Peyton, what have you brought us? Well, so the Christmas industry tree industry is really important to North Carolina. Not very important, I guess, locally as far as my growers are concerned. Um, And there's a reason behind that. So hopefully we can dive into all of that and uh, I can give you some insight into how, just how important that industry is um, just kind of uh, northwest of here. Now, when you say northwest, where are we talking? We're talking about Fraser fir country. Um, That means, so the most popular tree in North Carolina, Christmas tree grown is um, Fraser fir, and it has like really distinct growing requirements. So it, we recommend planting, you know, at elevations above 3,000 feet above sea level. Um, but its native range is about 4,500 square feet, uh, uh, square feet, 4,500 feet above sea level. So what you're saying is I cannot grow Christmas trees. No, ma'am. Neither can I. Not very well. Well, here, well, I shouldn't say not. You can't grow Fraser fir. I can't grow right? Fraser fir Christmas trees. So, and that's once again ninety to ninety-five, somewhere in the, the mid nineties, probably as far as percentage of the amount of, of the Christmas trees grown here in North Carolina. We're talking five to six million Christmas trees every year. Oh wow! And like you said, like you you go to a corner, you know, popular corners around Gaston County, approaching the Christmas and. You know, they're all being hauled here from those elevations, like what you were mentioning, because we're we're only in the hundreds above sea level. Well, I live in here. Yeah, where I I live, we're around like nine hundred. It's low. Yeah, we're not feet above sea level, so it's like really low. So again, I can't grow Fraser first. I don't even think you can climb up on Crowder's Mountain and 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 try it, right? (laughs) Probably not. (laughs) Yes, Um, it's just too hot here. Um, So. Now, have there been Christmas tree growers in Gaston County in the past? Yes. Um, Stowe Dairy Farms, um, um, I forget when they, when they kind of stopped. I think 2012, about 2017, um, they were growing some Christmas tree stock. Mm-hmm. And those are, you know, things that can actually grow here, things like eastern red cedar, um, Leland cypress, um, even growers um, – in the around the east along the east coast or um, in the Piedmont, growing um, green giant arborvita, uh, white pine. It's just not that you know what we think of. I guess is the traditional like I'm going to go to the tree lot, yeah, a, or even go into once again. I'm going to probably promote this a little more as we go along. Okay, but the the cut um, the fresh cut tree farms in, in the mountains, right? Um, so 
yes, it can be done here, but it's not going to be that stiff structure that you think about holding all those ornaments that you've collected over the past 20 years uh, right. that, that we're used to. Yeah. So what exactly makes the Fraser fir so popular? Because I'm sure there are other, you know, trees that would make really good Christmas trees. Why is that one so popular? I think a lot of it has to do with its, you know, how it's needled. Um, and also its color, its smell. So when you think about firs, we think about that's, ha- that's that Christmas tree smell. So not every you know, species that you would use as a Christmas tree is going to have that nice, you know, smell. Uh, what is the candles from Bath and Body Works? Like mm-hmm. that's that's bottled in in that that candle, um, gotcha. that Christmas smell. <laughs> so it's the smell, it's the structure of the tree, um, it's the fact. I think a lot of it has to do with just where we're at, and mm-hmm. it's what grows um, and can grow along. There's not a lot that you can do right agriculturally in, in some of those um, those high peaks in the mountains that we have. Right. So you can plant. You can run a road and road through and you can plant Christmas trees. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the industry's evolved. And a lot of things, Fraser fir has really peaked in popularity as of the past 10 years. Um, a lot of it has to do with how it's been marketed through the Christmas tree growers here in North Carolina. Wow, that's um, amazing. So when you do go to the tree lot and like, let's say, because it's, it's not for me. Look, I don't travel up into the mountains. And I know I said I'm going to push other people to try to do that. Um, if I'm buying at a local lot and I'm getting a fresh Christmas tree, I'm going to look out for Fraser fir mm-hmm. because there's only a pocket in Virginia where it's really grown, um, some pockets in Virginia, and mostly North Carolina growers growing it. So if you're a you know, big box store or a um, little spot on the corner, you can support a North Carolina farmer by buying a Fraser fir, wow. most likely. So That's amazing. So now, as far as taking care of a Fraser fir is is that part of it that makes it popular like because I so I'm going to be full tran- fully transparent here I have never had a fresh christmas tree Ooh. like a live tree I didn't grow up with those That's like okay. we were not about that life because we didn't want to deal with the upkeep and I'm going to tell you now, my thumb is not green at all because I'm still learning how to keep my current plants alive. I don't think I could keep a tree alive. It, uh, <laughs> it's definitely more affordable to go with a fake tree. It That's, is because you can reuse them. Like my current tree is an artificial tree. Yeah, but, it's, look, I'm a little guilty, right? I do the same thing because it's, it's just one of those, it's one of those things. It can be a can be a burden on folks and but yes there is a proper way to to manage um, the christmas tree once it's cut so if you are buying from you know a local source in and around here that is hauling these trees in and buying them wholesale mm-hmm. um, which is very popular um, you would buy that tree and then um, you would make sure before even buying it i would always make sure um, that you shake the needles out because okay. that can bring some, oh, yeah. they can bring things in, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a, a negative. The good news is there's nothing that's going to really carry over in the most, unless there's some sort of infestation, right? It's going to be more of a nuisance than anything. Right. It's probably going to be one or two, you know, creepy crawlies that are going to be around and you're probably never going to notice them, but just shake that tree. That's how we kind of can, can mitigate that. Okay. Um, it's getting water to it um, immediately. That's going to be important, but you should be looking at a, at one of these Christmas tree suppliers that keeps things kind of well shaded, 
um, keeps things really cool, and they're bringing in fresh trees pretty frequently um, because the sooner you can get that tree after it's been cut, um, get it drilled, put it in your tree stand, and give it water, that's the most important thing. And then that water, you don't want to keep it out of water for, for, for very long. Okay. Um, so if you're going to keep it in your garage for a couple of days until you get ready to decorate, um, you need to come with you know a plan and make sure that it's it sitting in water. And when we're talking watering those trees, Fraser firs and most Christmas trees, um, regardless of what type of tree they are, are going to use about three to four pints of water a day, especially in the first 10 days after being cut. Okay. So that's something to keep in mind. So, so you're looking at, um, I mean, you really, uh, I've seen as high as, you know, a, a gallon of water. You know, did I say pints? I meant quarts. So you're looking at, you know, probably two to three quarts of water that needs to be replaced each day that that tree's using. Um, and you'll know when that tree needs water too, because it'll be screaming, right? right? Things <laughs> will start to, those ornaments will start to droop and needles oh, wow. will start to shed. So those are good signs that, hey, uh, it's went way too long without water. Um, so underwatering them. So I, I'm giving you all the cons, right? To I'll give you some pros here. Okay. As we, as we go along. You mentioned uh, drilling. So what's the importance of drilling? Because I think most of those corner spots that you're going to see will either ask you or maybe they're already pre-drilled. But I've had one that didn't drill mine and, you know, you just do it really quick. But what's the importance of having it drilled? That's going to stabilize it on that, that tree stand. And it, I guess it could. I, I don't know. I haven't looked into this. Once again, I don't deal with Christmas trees a whole lot here in Gaston County. Right? Okay. But I'm, I mean, a lot, I guess there could be some school of thought about water um, in, in coming th- through the vascular system of the tree. But the main thing is, is that you, you want to make sure that that tree is drilled so it's stable. Um, inside inside your um, tree stand. And there's different kinds of tree stands. I think the the one like what you're mentioning is the one that I have, yes. which you drill it straight. As long as you drill it straight, you're going to have yep. no problem. But um, I've definitely had one where I've had to re-drill. It's fine. It's all worked out. Um, but it might make you a little angry. But, yeah, drill that straight. Um, I don't know how – I guess it depends on the size tree stand. But I would say that it had to be at least a half inch wide at the opening. But mm-hmm. it's kind of a cone shape, right? Yes, the tree cones. And then, um, yeah, you see them, too, where they come in from the side. Um, You know, I would still probably, that's when you're probably going to have to drill it yourself. But usually if, you know, those corner spots are asking you to drill, they're going to be drilling a center hole um, based off of those tree stands because they are the most popular, I think, tree stands that are out there. Yeah. Wow. That is amazing. Like, I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, it sounds like it's work. And I'm like, when you first said, you know, drill a hole, I'm sitting here like, have we not done enough to this poor tree? It's already been cut down. Yeah, I've only had a real tree for the last, I don't know, four or five years, mainly because, like, graduated college and then didn't buy a fake tree. So I'm like, we just got to go get a real tree. And then you just learn so much. But, yeah, I've definitely already had, like, the – the mistake of um, of them like drilling at side a little too crooked and having to fix that, yeah, and it's it's some work to try to fix, but it's all in the fun of the of the holiday. Well, you are further ahead than I am. Yeah, so it's it's, I guess it's one of those things where it brings about. I just remember picking out trees like with my mom and dad as a kid. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that can, I guess, brings back the nostalgia of taking a trip up to the mountains and doing the, you know, fresh cut. Um, 
it gives you something to do, gives you gives you something to look forward to, and kind of initiates that that holiday season for folks even mm-hmm. more so than you know the Thanksgiving meal probably does. Right. It's like okay, now it's official. Um, and usually those those Christmas tree farms are going to be opening up um, either probably right after Thanksgiving or the week before Thanksgiving. So that would be something to keep keep on the lookout for. That's because those trees aren't going to keep longer than about four to five weeks um, right. very well. Um, and that's with the appropriate water and doing everything correctly. So you don't want the tree to poop out on you before Christmas. Before Christmas, here. right. Um, <laughs> but that being said, the reason why it's so important, I think, is because it's a way that we can support a very rural part of North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, we're looking at, like I said, five to six million trees a year. Um, it's, it's a lot of hard work. There's a lot of cost and labor. What don't you see on those Christmas trees that conifers tend to have? Cones. Cones, yeah. yeah. Uh, somebody is hand-pulling off those cones on those trees, and um, that's a lot of work. Um, they're looking into ways to, to reduce that. Um, some of these guys from NC State and, and gals are working on um, – chemical approaches to maybe try to just lift that burden of labor cost. Um, you're looking at planting these trees, hoping deer don't ravage them. Right. Um, you know, at any stage of production and you're looking at probably eight to 10 years before that tree from, from planting as a sapling is going to be ready to go, um, into be a six foot tree inside your home. Um, even longer if you're going to do the seven or eight foot trees. So, honestly, seventy dollars or eighty dollars a tree or a hundred dollars a tree is really a steal if you think about how much work Goes has into has, has went into to bringing that fr- fresh tree to market mm-hmm. and how much risk the farmer has taken into into producing that product. Um, so they've really had to the Christmas tree farms have really had to get unique about their marketing approaches and how they're they're doing things on farm, especially for the fresh cut. So you'll see folks offering things like cookies and um, wagon rides. It's become more of an agritourism um, type thing and because it's drawing that additional revenue in. But, I mean, mm-hmm. we're talking about a wholesale industry that's about $100 million. And then you're looking at another $250 million on the retail side. So that's a quarter of a billion dollars. On the wow. retail side of North Carolina Christmas trees, so so the range and the range, and of course everyone's house is a different size, so you're going to have different sizes of Christmas trees. But it's not that they're different types of Fraser further. Um, you know, they, they will let them grow longer in order for mm-hmm. them to be larger. So I know you were mentioning supporting farmers. I want to say I, whenever I was a journalist, I, I went and talked to a lot of um, some of those corner stores. And Mm -hmm. they describe the issues around 2018 through 2020 about, oh, well, 10 years ago, a lot of our farmers didn't really survive the, their business because of the, you know, the economic crisis. And so you actually had farmers like disappear. And then all of a sudden, I I guess you would say it was a, a shortage. We had a shortage of Christmas trees. I don't know if that's still the case, but it takes a long time to plant and actually, or it doesn't take a long time to plant. It takes a long time for those trees to mature and actually become something that you can sell. Yeah, absolutely. And I just went to a nursery training where they focused on deer damage and, and nurseries. And yeah, so mm-hmm. the nurseries were trying to learn from the Christmas tree folks, Hey, what are we doing 
in our field grown nursery in, in the Christmas trees that we can do in the field grown nurseries. And there's really not a good answer. I mean, mm-hmm. um, deer are a huge problem in a lot of these Christmas tree growing areas and they can wipe out entire fields and there goes thousands and thousands yeah. of dollars that was in this, that could have been in this mm-hmm. farmer's pocket labor costs. And then it's, Oh, it's a nightmare yeah. to think about. And there's not like, I know that that half a billion dollar, dollars or a quarter of a billion dollars i mean sounds astronomical um or even that hundred uh, million wholesale but we're only let's take that hundred million and we look at there's about 1500 producers that doesn't leave a lot on the table for every christmas trooper that's you know around 66 dollars that you that's really on the table per mm-hmm. farm now, some farms are bigger, some farms are smaller, sure, right? right? But on average, that's what a Christmas tree producer is bringing in, and that's not counting their cost in labor. So it's like, well, there's not a lot of meat left on the bone after it's all said and done for these Christmas tree growers. Um, so I may be, may be getting a live tree this year because that's it's important. That's a huge economic um, part of the, the, the hill country and, and the highlands of North Carolina, right? So for those, you know, folks that are listening that are like me have never had a live tree, you know, other than the economic benefit for those farmers, like what are some other pros? Because, you know, we often have to, you know, answer the question, what's in it for me? So for someone like me who would gladly support a local farmer, you know, but what about those individuals who may not be be able to afford a Christmas tree? But what's that that push to say, hey, this is what you're going to get out of it, you yourself. Yeah, I don't think that I would necessarily push them because there's a part of this that I, I haven't mentioned yet, and that is the $25 million that comes from the other revenue right. streams. Mm-hmm. And a lot of these growers have wreath makers. Okay. Um, so that would be a cheaper option to go with for folks um, is to find a Christmas tree grower who's making wreaths and – or wreaths that were made by these local Christmas tree farms being sold maybe at the same place. Okay. You know, I imagine that the places that you've been where you've picked up one locally that's been cut in the mountains, they probably have wreaths for sale there as well. 100%. Yeah, circular wreaths and then even uh, smaller ones, like that would be long ways. Okay. So it's it's different shapes. And those were usually bought a wholesale at those Christmas tree farms. Mm -hmm. So that's another way. You don't have to bring it in your house either. Yeah, I would say stick to that. I'm not going to, you know, tell anybody to go above their means. Um, but for those who can't afford it, I say why not? Because this is, you know, I was reading something that I have kids, and I was reading about the importance of, you know, the little traditions that you create with mm-hmm. your children. Those will be the things that they remember for the rest of their lives. Um, the time spent together, or who was it? The guy was saying that he went on this immaculate vacation Right, and the thing that he he his kids remember the most are when they shot fireworks off illegally in the parking lot. And I think this guy was a pastor <laughs> of all things, and he was talking about it was making those memories and you know creating a tradition where you go out and get a live tree. Mm-hmm. You know, I've sat and sat here and said it. That's creating a memory for for your family, and that's something that can hey we've always done it this. We've always done this, and that'll right. be something that, you know, can pass on. It's like, hey, this is how we start our Christmas season. Um, so there's a little bit of that, too. Like, I think children definitely benefit from those little traditions that you can create. Yeah, my husband, um, 
he grew up where they went out and, you know, cut down their own Christmas tree. And so he's always had a live tree. Just as long as we've been married, it's always been artificial. (laughs) I feel like one way, and for us, like our first year having it, you know, fresh out of college, don't have much money. We started with a small tree that was still sold. It was cut, you know, in the mountains and sold down here. Um, I believe we invested in a, a, a normal size tree stand. So one that we could eventually put a bigger tree on, but then put a small tree on it. And I think we even put it up on a table um, so that it was still like kind of tall, but I would say like, you know, and I'm also not a parent, but you could also, if you utilize that fig tree in one room, but perhaps give the kids a small tree, I think that would be a great way to enter into like the fresh tree uh, tradition and let them like decorate it. I don't know. That's just an idea. Or give your goats a tree. That'd be kind of fun. <laughs> put put a put a tree out in the in the goat lot. My goats would probably try to eat oh, that it'd tree. Be tore up. But <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. True. That's, an, that's an important point, right? Is now we're we're looking at a lot of households um, that utilize multiple trees, mm-hmm. um, little trees for. I mean, we're, we have little trees for 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 my kids that that they decorate or choose ornaments for. Yeah, you know, you can use tree in multiple if you have and you're able to use a tree in multiple spaces or you have um artificial trees already for the home Mm -hmm. you can set one up 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 outside yeah and and you see this like what is i think about like belmont has their in stowe park where that you can walk through and look at all the different trees oh yeah from the schools and and different groups different businesses Mm -hmm. that sponsor them um so there are you know things that you can do outside of just keeping in your home um but yeah, I like the idea of the wreaths. I think that's a great way to. I agree. So if someone can't afford a Christmas tree, they can still support a local grower and buy a live wreath that still has that, you know, nice Christmas smell. Exactly. I actually have a question, Peyton. This is after Christmas is said and done. Is there a responsible way to get rid of your dying Christmas tree? Now, they have a, I believe that um, Gaston County has the tree um or at least in the past has had the Christmas tree program where they would come and pick up the trees or they mm-hmm. would let you take your trees up to the landfill site and they would have a place where you could um, recycle them. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess they get mulched. That process I'm not too familiar with, but I do know that the county has offered that in the past. Um, also, ask around because people will find a use for them. Uh, wildlife, I've seen people set up, um, you know, in their backyard and, and they've had like, they've tied the different, different attractants for wildlife on it like popcorn you think about the things that you use like are used to decorate christmas trees yeah. outside to draw animals in right <laughs> um but they would set them up for that or you could even there are certain uh pond owners that may take them and and use them and, as you know ways to draw fish in to give them some shelter and they use it to fish mm-hmm. and that's where they they like um and, yeah do all their casting out too i could very much see that I think there's a few people in Gaston County who might use that trick. Yeah, but there's a lot of there's a lot of pickup, um, you know, pickup services that are offered with um, the different cities and towns, and then you would also have the option through the county to to get rid of it. So one other question that I have about you know having a live tree. So for those of us with pets, specifically dogs, you know, what is that relationship like with a live tree? Because I'd be afraid that that my dog is gonna you know smell that tree and sniff that tree and then, you know, handle her business at said tree. 
I would say probably I'd be less worried about that. I don't think there'd be any more concerns than there would be with an artificial tree because the ornaments are already hanging there. Mm-hmm. Um, if I'm thinking about this too because I'm going to have, you know, a 19-month-old this Christmas. So I'm going to have to be, you know, we're probably going to leave the bottom three foot of the tree <laughs> pretty bare because okay. uh, she likes to get into things. Mm-hmm. But so do pets. And I would... I would figure that if they're not messing with the artificial tree and the ornaments on there at the lower heights, um, you have nothing to worry about. If anything, the scent would probably draw them away. So another perk to a Fraser Furs is going to have that scent. And I don't think animals are too interested in, um, especially dogs and cats. Now, deer, that may be a different story, right? (laughs) Right. That's what we're learning. Well, thankfully, I do not have a pet deer. Yeah. (laughs) I know cats like to climb on things, so... I would be more worried about a cat, but well, I I, yeah, I used to have a cat, and I, you know, I have artificial trees, and I used to have a cat, and she loved the ornaments. She would go up under the tree, and she'd just kind of look at me like, "Mom, pretend like you don't see me," and she would try to take the ornaments off the tree. So I'm just now that I have a dog, I'm like, "Do I even bother? Like, is this dog gonna tear up my tree?" My German Shepherd <laughs> has never messed with it. Well, she maybe good. has walked by it and bumped something off, but even we would do that sometimes. So, but I do have a six-month-old puppy, German Shepherd, and I'm interested. I don't, I don't know. She's not been too interested in smelly things. Well, that's good. So, yeah, we've been good so far. Now I will say my dog does not bother like my plants that I have in the house, so that's probably a good sign. That is a good sign. It, it's every pet's different. Yeah. Yes. And some are. <laughs> More special than others, and we just have to take that into consideration before you you set up your tree every year. Is, yeah. is to really figure out, you know, how has my family dynamic changed in mm-hmm. any way, and then we we just go from there. Very cool. I love Christmas trees. I love the smell of Christmas trees. Maybe this will be the year that I actually get a live one. Go get your wreath. Start with for, a wreath for the front door. Hey, yeah. It's just a hop, skip, and a jump for us too for for fresh live trees. Yes. Yep. Where is the best place to go? Well, I can't, like, market any Christmas tree farm <laughs> because we it, don't have one locally. If we had one locally, I would be able to, to yeah. push people that direction. But in um, the mountains. You're not going to start to <laughs> see, I will say this, you're not going to start to see these Christmas tree farms with Fraser firs start popping up until you get really past um, Morganton. Um, Alexander County um, has quite a few. Avery County. Yep. Okay. Um, so those would be the counties I'd be looking at as far as, you know, Looking for a live Christmas tree. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay. You might be able to, a lot of times if you're just driving on, you know, rural roads north of here, so, you know, anywhere from Boone and then over, you're you're most like, like you said, you mentioned 1,500 farms. You're Mm -hmm. likely to see one. Like, because they're really only going to be, like you said, above a certain elevation. And I will say this too, you're likely to, um, make a friend out of all this. These Christmas tree farmers that open up their farms, um, there are families that return there, um, and I know this through my colleagues, that return to these farms every year from as far south as Florida um, wow. to, to get these trees. Um, and they they really do. These, these repeat customers that these farms have, they form relationships with those that are buying trees there, and they look forward to seeing them come back every year. Um, so there so cool. really becomes a bond between the farmer and the consumer. That's awesome. And I feel like the tree that sits in Rockefeller Center comes from North Carolina. 
That I do not know. But I feel like there was one, probably a couple Christmases ago, they were going on and on about how it came from North Carolina. Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't doubt it. Now, usually there, I mean, every now and again you'll see on the news about a, uh, a tree from North Carolina in the White House. Yes. That, mm-hmm. that I think you see that on the news, TV will pick, pick that up. I would not want to be the Christmas tree grower that had that pressure on them. That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Now, that tree's probably been there. These large trees, they've been there for so long. If it's a Christmas tree in a prominent place, you can can almost guarantee that North Carolina probably has, has a part in it. Um, we're, I think we're number two in the nation in Christmas tree production. So who's number one, I think Oregon, if I had to, if I'm, I'm guessing here, I'm with, you know, uh, the Pacific Northwest. Yeah. They grow stuff so well up there. I'm a little jealous of how well the Pacific Northwest grows trees in general. Um, the yeah. n- nursery industry up there is very interesting. Not to mention they have all the hops for beer pretty much. Yeah. Like, right? Yeah. I have an interesting story about that, but that's for that's for another, for another podcast. Another <laughs> hey, yeah, we can get into it. What kind of what, what kind of Christmas tree would grow in Oregon? Oh, what do they do? They do like the um, maybe I, this is where we're getting really outside of my realm. But they they do I think the balsam fir maybe, and then oh. maybe that's more popular out there. I forget which um, species is is the most popular in Pacific Northwest, but it's going to vary region to region. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I was learning as I was kind of doing a little bit of research, just prepping about the industry here in North Carolina, I was kind of peak, taking glances at the industry elsewhere. And I'm like, well, this is confusing because, you know, what I think of as a Christmas tree is not going to be what somebody in Arizona thinks Except of as a Christmas, Christmas tree, tree or, um, even Pennsylvania. Um, so it's going to vary state to state, but, um, we're unique. Fraser fir is only king and in, in really in the southeast. Nice. Um, but it's growing in popularity, which means that North Carolina trees are traveling further and further into homes, which is great for the industry. Absolutely. Great for our state, great for our economy. So, yeah, I mean, I'm good with trying, a, you know, a live wreath to start and then moving to a live tree. There we go. Just to have the smell in the house. <laughs> Yeah, it'd be cool. I think you'll enjoy it. I mean, I can't obviously can't say, and I don't know how often the the prices fluctuate, but you can get you can get a wreath for not that much money, and it's fresh. And they'll even customize the. Sometimes I've had experience where they'll customize the bow. You know, they'll have ten different ribbons nice. that they'll put together for you. You know, if you want a mix of two or whatever, they'll they'll get it done for you. Someone local will. And hey, it could be worse on the Christmas tree prices too, because if that. If that Fraser first travel traveling further, and your your cost is going to go up on it too. That's so we're true. lucky with we're really fortunate yes. to live where we live and not be too far away from from the source. Absolutely. Well, Peyton Flowers, Gavin Stewart, it's been a pleasure to talk about Christmas trees. So yeah, we look forward to our next conversation about hops. Kidding, kidding. <laughs> No, but thank you for being here. Gavin, thank you for co-hosting with me. And thank you all for listening. And we will talk to you again next week. Mark your calendars. Gaston Max is back and better than ever. Come to downtown Gastonia on Saturday, March 23rd to enjoy live music performances, games for kids, interactive art experiences, and much more. The event is free. Be on the lookout for announcements about musical headliners in the months ahead.
Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Savvy Citizen Podcast. It's produced by the Gaston County Communications Office with hosts Janet Schaefer, Dan Drury Bradley, Elizabeth McGee, and Adam Gobb. Joshua Braswell serves as executive producer, and Gavin Stewart serves as field reporter and producer. Please like us and share reviews on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, and anywhere you get your podcasts. Coming up on next week's show, we'll be talking about the Gaston County Low-Cost Spay-Neuter Clinic and the important work that they do for the animals in our community.